of the word of the Lord tonight. We're going to um, I'm gonna start doing something a little different. Uh, I'm going to have um, uh, another preacher, young preacher, come and do about 10 minutes or so uh, before I get into it. So uh, we're going to have Brother Brad come up. Amen. So he's going he's gonna to lead us off tonight. So Thank you. Can we just... Uh lift up the Lord tonight uh, as we get into his word. So, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much, oh God, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be in this room, Lord. Your grace is overwhelming. God, I pray that this opportunity does not go to waste, God, but that I am uh, learned in your word, Lord God, that everyone in this congregation is inspired and taught in your word. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Real quick, just one verse for us, if uh, Brother Joe could pull it up uh, before we're seated. Um, we're just going to read through this, and we'll get right into the message, right? So Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Next verse. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We'll just keep it rolling. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All right, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for this, uh, this word. God, we pray that it ministers to our heart and our soul tonight. In your name, Jesus. In your name. Almighty God. You may be seated. Um, man, we are just honored to be here. <laughs> you know? Other hands built this place. Other hands, keep it running. Thank the Lord for the, uh, the current state of our government to allow us to be here. You know, we have such an awesome privilege and honor to have this type of freedom. Um, so tonight, I really wanted to emphasize a little bit about Jesus Christ and about his teachings, about the word. Um, the first thing I want to present to you is that Jesus does things that are just very, I want to use the word paradoxical, but I don't even know what that word means. So, it just he does things that are just weird, right? He's a God who was born in a manger, right? He walks on water. He does work on the Sabbath. He sits with the sinners. He does all these odd things, and the most of all, the most odd thing he does is that he died for our sins. The righteous one, the only one, who is holy and perfect in all his ways, died for our sins. Such an odd thing. I want to use the word paradoxical again. I don't know what it means. But it sounds like that to me. So with these paradoxical teachings, I want to teach on uh, a little bit of these, these types of things. And it has to do with the, uh, the armor of God. So before I get into it, I just want to give you guys some uh, paraphrased verses just to help guide you where I'm going. 
So one of the things Jesus taught was if your eye sins against you, you should pluck it out so that you can save your body from being cast into the fire. Right? He teaches about hard stuff like that. He, t- he talks about he curses the tree that bared no fruit because it was useless and worthless. He also talks about kind of the opposite realm of that. The paradoxical version, which is the prodigal son goes and wastes everything, but then can go back to the father with open arms of forgiveness. He talks about, he, he actually relays both of those types of things in the story of where the kingdom of God is like uh, a man who goes to a king with millions of dollars in debt. And the king just, you're forgiven. But then the same guy goes out and doesn't forgive his servant of 10 bucks, 100 bucks. And then God restores his punishment. The, the, the king restores his punishment, right? And so in the same story, he kind of, to me, it's like he contradicts the reality we know. Like walking on water. The thing about sin is that we need to understand the miracle that exists in Jesus. That he is able and wants to and entices you to to confess your sin to be forgiven. But yet he's also the the ruler and the judge. He does it at the same time. It is water, but he walks on it. Right? And so I want to give this... uh, Silly example, just having those things in mind. Okay, um, if I could have Brother Shane come up here real quick. Ugh. Brother Shane, handsome guy. Love this guy. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Shane. All right, so <laughs> if Brother Shane and I were to get in a fight, I wonder where who would place the money where. What bet would, you know, who's going to win, right? He's a strong dude, man. He used to power lift a little, right? Now, if Brother Shane would come up to me and say, Brad, I'll give you 100 bucks if you let me punch you in the gut as hard as I can. I'd be like, no, bro. And I'll tell you another reason why. It's not just because I know he's a big, strong guy. But he's also, I knew that he's a pitcher. When he was a young guy, he could pitch over 90 miles an hour. So the thing that really concerns me, it's not really that his size, you know. He's got incredible athletic ability when it comes to whipping his arm. <laughs> yeah. That's about it, though, but still. But that's the very thing I'm going to avoid, right? All right, so now if Brother Shane came to me, I'm going to present you guys some movie-quality stuff here. All right. This is the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, movie, high stuff, okay? Just imagine a little bit, please. It's like a one-inch piece of iron wrapping all the way around my body. I probably wouldn't be able to stand. It'd be really heavy. Hey, I try. All right, listen. So I got this really thick piece of metal on me, right? And if Brother Shane, and he's, I'm wearing this, and he, and he comes with the same bet, and he says, Brad, will you let me give you 100 bucks if I'll punch you right square in the center of the breastplate? Sure. Maybe he'll push me a little. But, man, I got an iron piece of metal on, right? Like, I'm good. 
You can go for it, right? Don't do it. Okay? So it's just this simple observation. Now, I want to kind of give you guys a contrast of some things. So real quick, for demonstration purposes only, don't try this at home. Right? If Brother Shane were to do that move, but now we do it without the breastplate. Right? Go ahead. Just a little. Just a little. Right? Right in the liver, man. This guy knows where to go, right? And I guard up, and he hits me in the kidney. He goes for it. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. He hits me in the kidney. Oh! Can you guys imagine him just giving it, right? Right into the vital spots. Right? So I'm, I wanted to turn this on just for a second, just because it's one of my favorite things to do at home when I'm by myself. It's a lot of fun. I like to turn on a preacher's voice. Kind of give it to myself, you know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> I want you guys to remember, Brother Shane punched me. Go ahead, one more time. You see, you got to protect yourself from the enemy. You don't understand. He's trying to swing at your vital organs. He wants to hit you right into the heart. He wants to protect, hit you right where you want to be protected. You gotta protect your family. You gotta protect yourself. Be careful of your vital organs. God gives you the instruction. You gotta put on the breastplate of righteousness because there is a lion seeking whom he may devour. Woo! Felt it, man. Thank you, brother. That's all I need. Need the visual, you know. See. The Lord God has these specific instructions to protect you in ways you have no idea. You don't understand that when he talks about righteousness, he's so full of grace. He says that wherever there's sin, grace more abounds. So the thing about righteousness, about the enemy, is he has multiple ways of attack. So I'm about to close up here pretty soon. The next piece of armor I want to discuss with you guys What do you guys think this one is? More movie quality, I'd say. A little big. It's all right. This is the helmet of salvation. The thing about the helmet that intrigues me the most is that it protects what? Your skull and your brain. If I'm charging out into battle, I probably still wouldn't want Shane to punch me when I'm wearing that. But if a fiery dart comes my way, I bet it'll bounce right off that thing, right? Protecting the very thing that gives me alertness, consciousness, competent thinking, a sound mind, right? It's the very thing that does this. Now, what's interesting is that we forget sometimes in the Bible that the Bible says Jesus is our advocate. He stands on our behalf. So, real quick, my last skit, if I can have my other two volunteers. <laughs> Woo! Give it up to these guys. I don't know them, so thank you. <laughs> you guys are so nice. All right, so I gotta ask you guys a question.
right, guys. So take a look at our volunteers. They're awesome. They're awesome. So we're going to do this real quick skit just so you guys understand this guy is you. Okay, this guy is the enemy. All right, and of course, if I'm going to do a skit, I'm Jesus. All right? Okay, so why don't we go ahead and begin. We're going to begin. This is what the devil does to you. Go ahead. Especially with sin. This is the particular thing here. Go ahead. There he goes. But with the helmet of salvation, without it, you might think that when Jesus comes over you, he's ready to put you down. Smite me. I'm unworthy. I shouldn't get up again. There's no point in going on. There's no point. But instead, what does he do? He helps you back up, right? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. So we're going to do it again. I'm going to start turning on the preacher voice. Go ahead. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. A righteous man falls seven times but gets back up again. We're going to do one more time. We're going to do one more time. Go ahead. Oh, spin move there. He really pushed him. Now I'm losing my verses, you know, like the guy spun. He's throwing me off, right? For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you guys. You may be seated. Appreciate it. Thank you. Give it up to our guests. They're awesome. So with the helmet of salvation, you just got to get one thing just clipped out. Just, just figure it out. The miracle is that you can always go to him. Because he is your advocate and he is the judge. Lucky you. Every time you fall, he wants you to pick back up. Every time you fall, you go to who? You go to Jesus. Right? So I'm going to end with this. This is just the, uh, just paraphrasing the final verses, which is just, remember, guys, if you're going to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy, you got to put on the armor. And the two that I'm going to give to you tonight is the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. And if you wear them both, man, sin has no chance. Death wears your sting. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. How about Brad? Wasn't that good? Man, now I have the hard part. I got to follow that up. And I don't, I don't have any object lessons in mind. That's what happens, I guess, when you, the longer you preach, the less object lessons you have. But I uh, enjoyed that. Um, my verse tonight, my one verse, is uh, Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Amen. Okay. Thank you. you may be seated. Thank you. That, um, so that has been our, our text for this series, and um, I 
This is part three. Uh, obviously wasn't here last week, so thank you, Brother Justin, for filling in for me. Did he do a good job? Okay, good. All right. Uh, so we've been looking into the Word of God and, and how once it is declared, once it is spoken, the Word goes forth and accomplishes what it is sent to do, as we just read. Once it is declared, at some point it will be delivered. Now, we like to hear the promises of God, the blessings of God, and we want it to happen instantaneously, immediately. But many times it does not happen like that, but we have to believe that once, if it is declared, if it is spoken, that at some point it will happen, it will come to pass. It will arrive and unfold and do what it is declared to do. And the Word of God is so powerful that once it is declared, that nothing can stop it because it's God. It's His Word, and it goes forth and does. And we likened the warnings in the Word of God as those rumble strips on the side of the road. We talked about last time with its purpose was to wake us up when you start veering off the road you hear that loud rumbling noise because you're going off course. And in the Word of God, uh, there are warnings and things that we are to abide by so that we stay on track because God doesn't want us driving into the ditch, and neither do we. Uh, and so uh, we're headed away from the truth when we hear that, and we're going away from the direction that the Word of God is trying to direct us to go. And so. We talked about how the Jews ignored those warnings and they kept steering towards the ditch and God sent preachers and prophets to warn them that the curses in the word of God were going to come to pass if they did not straighten up and fall in line with what God had told them to do. But sadly, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel killed most of those prophets, most of their own, the preachers they silenced by killing them or uh, silencing them one way or another. Uh, and so they were just uh, telling the Jews, all these people, these preachers were doing, were just declaring to the Jews to go back and look at the declared word of God because it was declared at some point and it will happen, it will come to pass. And they're telling them, go look for yourselves and you will be able to see what is coming your way if you are maintaining that course that you're on because the Word of God will not return void. And if that's the path that you are choosing, the Word of God is already declared and saying what will happen or what will come your way if you go down that way. We learned in part two that the Lord built into Israel's society for a shutdown to happen every seven years. For the land to rest, known as the Sabbath year, where the land was to rest, no planting or none of those things, that they would just take the year off. And because it didn't make much sense, but it was designed to be a monumental beacon of faith, of trust in God, in His Word, that He would provide for them. Because if we truly believe that He is our provider, God can tell us to shut down for a year and we would we'd probably worry a little bit, but if we, if we trust more in God, then he's going to make a way for us. And so every seven years, he told the Israelites to do that, that they would have everything they need, that all of their possessions and blessings came from God, and because of their obedience to the word of God, uh, they would continue to live this blessed life. And 
we read the very words that said, if you do not let the land have her rest, then God would demolish the cities and he would kick them out of the land and let the land become desolate so that it could rest. Now, they obviously probably did not believe that part because they didn't live that. They didn't follow the instructions and uh, the seventh year came and they kind of ignored it. Uh, thinking, God was God going to kick us out, kick his own people out of our own, the nation he gave us? Would God really do that? Well, it came to fruition that it actually happened. And we saw just how that happened. Why? Because, simply because the word of God declared it and it happened. No surprise to the believers in the word of God because we know that if the word is declared, it will happen. It will come to pass because it is God's word. But it is a big surprise to the non-believers, those who do not believe. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge surprise that something like that would happen. But if we truly believe the word of God, we should not be surprised when things happen that are mentioned or, or spoken in the word of God. Uh, as I've said before, all of the events happening today, all of the shaking, all of the dismay that has been going on for the past four months or so has taken the world by surprise. Kings and presidents of countries are at a loss what is happening. And I'll admit that it's probably take, it took us by surprise too at first, but it hasn't caused us to put our head in the sand and shake and, and be afraid. No, it's, it's put our head more into the Word of God. And the more we read and the more we study the Word of God, the less surprised that you and I become because these things, these times have already been declared thousands of years ago. And if the Word of God declares it, then it will not return void. It will accomplish what it is sent to do, wherever it is sent. And so, yeah, a trumpet is sounding, and this is a wake-up call for the church that uh, I don't want to be asleep when Jesus returns, and I'm going to make sure that I'm awake and doing and working and actively being a part of the kingdom of God so that when he returns, he will be pleased with what we are doing so that we will not end up like ancient Israel did, scattered across the earth and taken captive by another country, another nation. So in our, in our timeline of following Israel, we know from history that in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar came from Babylon and he burned Jerusalem to the ground and he left not one stone upon another exactly how the word of God said it would happen. It, would, they, they, he, it says it would become desolate, that no rock would stand upon another. And so uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, some foreign king came in and demolished the country, the city of God, uh, all because the scripture said that if Israel did not obey and, and, and live by the word of God, then they would become captives and they would lose all that they had. And so Israel did not obey, and they did not listen to Scripture. And so uh, take it from their mistakes that uh, we, we should learn from Israel uh, the, what they failed to do, that we should not repeat the same mistake in our life because we know that if it happened to Israel, God's own very own people who he came from, uh, if God allowed that to happen to them, then who are we 
uh, Gentiles of the world, um, if we do not obey the word of God, surely the things that are written in it can happen to us as well. And so Israel is destroyed, and Jerusalem is a, a pile of ashes, and the temple is burned to the ground, the holy, sacred temple that is overlain with gold, and the, uh, the most beautiful temple on the earth uh, that was built for the sacrifices of God. God allowed that very temple to be demolished. The gold temple furniture is carried off to be a part of another country, another city. Nothing but ruins is left for Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And Israel is to be captives in Babylon for 70 years as the word of God declared it. If they had read the scriptures, they would have known that, hey, 70 years is going to be really bad uh, for the people of God, but they ignored the word. But before Israel could return to Jerusalem, two things had to, have, had to happen. Why must these two things happen? Simply because the word of God said they were to happen before they were to come back to Jerusalem. And once the word of God has been declared, it will be delivered. And what is declared will accomplish. It doesn't matter how long it's been. If the word of God says it, then it's going to happen. And so the first thing that must happen is found in the final words of Moses. As he's getting ready to die, he gives his final farewell speech to the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 29, start reading in verse 12. Uh, his speech begins much earlier than this, but we're picking up here. Uh, that thou shouldest enter into covenant with the Lord thy God and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto thee a God, and he hath said unto thee, as he hath sworn unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us today, this day, before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. And so if somebody was not there that day to hear uh, the words that Moses declared, but yet he just said this is going to apply not just to you and to everyone, even if they're not even here today. These, this covenant is going to apply to them. And so if they were not there that day, how would they know what was to come? If their children and their grandchildren were not with them that day, how are they supposed to know about this covenant that God had made with Israel? Are they going to play the ignorance card and say, well, we didn't know, we weren't there, we weren't there when Moses, you know, 200 years ago said all that, how are we supposed to know? Uh, sadly, that is exactly pretty much what happened is that uh, the people that were there and heard the very words of God in the covenant that God entered into with, uh, with Israel, the ones that heard the words didn't really teach it to their kids. And they didn't really teach it to their grandkids, and so on and so forth. And so uh, there arose generations after them that didn't even know God or, or know the things that God had done for them. Can you imagine uh, the disconnect that they had is because nobody taught 
uh, their children, or they didn't pass anything on to the next generation. And so um, it's, it's no surprise that the generation that rose up and didn't care about the Scriptures or the Word of God, now all of a sudden all kinds of hell is happening in their life and, and destruction's happening and things are, are, are not going the way they, they seem to be going, they should be going, and to come to find out it is because they are not living the way that the God had declared with them. And had the, the, the previous generations passed this on, uh, maybe they would have uh, skipped out on the, the, the desolation and the judgment to come because they would be living by the word of God. And so how should they keep the Sabbath year every seventh year? Uh, because if they didn't, then the curses of, of the scripture would come upon them. Uh, how, would they to, how would they to keep that if nobody told them, hey, every seven years things shut down? And that is exactly what happened. The word of God was declared, and it will accomplish what it is sent to do. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Uh, once it is out there, it is, it is declared. And to all of us who, are, who, are, who, who weren't there to hear the words uttered from the mouth of Moses 3,500 years ago, don't think that we are exempt either. Uh, just because we weren't around 3,500 years ago because the Word of God is forever settled in heaven and it applies to all men, all women, everywhere, of all nation, of all tongue. The Word of God is out there and it is waiting to be accomplished in our lives even if it was declared thousands of years ago. Uh, and so that is the importance of passing on the Word of God and teaching the next generation about the Word of God because uh, if we come to the day uh, where nobody knows it and is, is disobeying the Word of God and, and strict defiance against God, then uh, the curses written in the Word would happen to them and they won't even know why. And so verse 16, we pick up in the, the speech, For ye know how ye have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nation which ye passed by. And ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone and silver and gold, which were among them. Lest there should be, any, uh, should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the other gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it shall, and, and to come to pass, when he, he heareth the words of his, this curse, that he bless himself in his heart. This is, this is amazing. He, when he hears the words of the curse, he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace. Though I walk in the imagination of mine heart to add drunkenness to thirst. And this is how powerful uh, our pride can be, our individual pride, our, our human pride. When they hear the words of the curse, a curse, we're not talking about a blessing, we're talking about a curse. When he hears the word of the curse, uh, that's not a good thing. He hears this word, the words of the curse, and he says, he will bless himself in his heart and say, I have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart. Now, uh, that's, uh, can you imagine uh, 
being at this point where hearing the curse that is going to come upon the people for disobeying the word of God. And uh, out of the pride and arrogance of our heart, we, we say, oh, I'm good. No, I don't got to worry about anything. Uh, I, I walk in the imagination of my heart. And so are they, are they walking according to scripture? No, they're, they're following their heart and their feelings because they do what they feel. And, and this feels good, so it must be right. And so I have peace about my, my, my salvation in my life, even though uh, I, I, I may not know or uh, not even be living by the word of God. Uh, I feel good about my choice because that's what my heart is telling me. Uh, and so uh, just because we feel good about what we want to do doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. Uh, we can do whatever we want and, and have peace about it, but that doesn't mean we're doing things that are according and lined up with the Word of God. Doesn't this describe the world that we're living in right now? You think the world cares about the Bible or cares about what Scripture says? Uh, absolutely not. They have People have peace about who they are and what they are doing because they're walking after the imagination of their heart. And yet Scripture says things like, Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Seems right. This way seems right. But if we're not looking in the scripture, we can see, hey, maybe it's not right. Maybe the scripture knows something that I don't know. Well, my, my heart says something different. I'm going to follow my heart. Well, Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so the word of God says we can't really even trust our heart because it is wicked and deceitful. We'll, it'll deceit, deceive our own selves if we listen to it. Uh, and so sounds like something you should live your life by, something that will deceive you. Because it seems right, it feels right. Proverbs 6 and 8, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. There's the word again, imaginations. Uh, feet that be swift and running to mischief. And so uh, if our heart is deceitful and cannot be trusted, it deviseth wicked imaginations. Why should we follow after the imaginations of our heart? And uh, our, our heart and our pride will tell us we're doing the right thing, but uh, it's leading us, the truth is, it's leading us astray from what the Word of God says. And so those that walk after the imaginations of their heart will hear the curses written in the Bible and say, I have peace. I don't care what the scripture says, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's no wonder that Paul explains one aspect of spiritual warfare in, in 2 Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Next verse, casting down imagination. This is a continuation of what strongholds are. Uh, casting down imaginations. There's that word again, Old Testament word and now in the New Testament. Uh, but Peter or, or Paul is saying we are to cast down imaginations. Why? It's probably because they came from our heart which is deviseth wicked imaginations. Uh, so you mean the imaginations of my heart. You mean shouldn't be walking after the imaginations and, and my feelings that my heart is telling me. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You know what a high thing is? It is something that I exalt, that I lift up above the word of God. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the tooth fairy. You believe the tooth fairy above the word of God, that's a high thing. And that's exalted above the word of God because the word of God is the standard. It is declared. It is the word of God settled in heaven. It's truth. And if I believe something that cannot be backed up with the scripture, then I hold that belief or that mindset or that lifestyle or that tradition or, or that habit or whatever it is, I hold that above the word of God. And I don't care what the word of God says, I'm going to do it because that's what I feel or that's what my heart is telling me to do. And this is what my family has always done, or I don't understand why we do it, or I don't know why we do it, but I'm going to do it, and I have peace about it regardless of what the Word of God says. That is a high thing. And we are told to cast down the imaginations, cast down the high things, don't believe it unless the Word of God can back it up. Then you have something that you can stand upon, uh, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. I think science, I don't know if they figured it out, but they guesstimated we have about ten to 50,000 thoughts a day. And imagine the Word of God says we've got to bring every thought into the obedience uh, of Christ. Uh, the Word of God is powerful enough, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even divided asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. So the, the Word of God uh, can discern between... Uh, 10 to 50,000 50, thoughts every single day, and the Word of God can say, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. That's how powerful the Word of God is. Now, we, we can't uh, physically bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can't do that. But the way that we do that is we read the Word of God, we study the Word of God, and it gets inside our minds and then the Word of God can go and start uh, fighting through the Scriptures and the, and the, and the, and the, and the thoughts, uh, whether these are godly or ungodly. And so every thought that we have should be examined and discerned with the Word of God. Why? Because thoughts and feelings will slowly begin to build imaginations. The more you think about stuff... The great, your imagination starts growing and expanding. And uh, if, it's, if it starts off with a bad thought, you can really start uh, building bad imaginations. And so that's why every thought has to become uh, taken captive to the Word of God. And we start to believe the imaginations above Scripture because we're feeling it and we're thinking it. And we, then we have a stronghold in our life. Uh, if you imagine a stronghold is like a fortified castle that the enemy has inside your mind where he can come in and live in. Why? Because it, it's contrary to the word of God. It doesn't line up with the word of God. The devil's not going to line up with the word of God. And so if you provide a place, if you provide thoughts for the devil to live in, that's where he'll go and live. 
And so the devil will use those against us and pull us down with it unless we cast down the imaginations, unless we get rid of those thoughts, those ideas, unless we say, I've always did this and believed it this way. What does Scripture say about all of this? And so that's where Israel messed up. They started chasing their imaginations. They started seeing the, the lifestyles of others, ungodly people, and started chasing the gods of other societies and didn't care about what the Word of God said. And so uh, soon enough, the Word of God came to pass, and uh, dismay and destruction came upon the very people of God. And so what did Moses say What happened to the person who heard the curses and said, I have peace because I walk after the imaginations of my heart. Verse 20 says, the Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke, smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. And here it is, the one thing that must happen before Israel can return to Jerusalem because they disobeyed it. Um, 586, they got kicked out. Israel got destroyed. Jerusalem got burned to the ground. Um, and so Moses is pretty much prophesying, saying this is going to happen if you don't listen. Um, and so, verse 22, so that generation... To come of your children shall rise up after you, and the stranger that shall come from a far land shall say, when they see the plagues of that land, talking about Jerusalem, talking about that holy city, when they shall see the plagues of that land and the sicknesses which the Lord hath laid upon it, you mean God would put plagues upon his own land, upon the nation of Israel? Uh, he will if the people of God won't listen to him. Uh, and so, uh, verse 23, that the whole land thereof is of brimstone and salt and burning that is not sown, uh, nor beareth, nor any grass groweth therein, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma, Zebium, uh, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in his wrath. Even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done this? Unto this land, what meaneth the heat of this great anger? They're surprised. Why would God just smote Jerusalem? Why would he wipe out his own country, his own land? They're, the unbelievers, the non-believers, they don't understand. Wow, why would God do such a thing to his own people? Simply because they did not listen to the word of God. So before Israel can return... There has to be a witness of the devastation. There has to be somebody that says, wow, what happened here? What happened here? What happened to Jerusalem? What happened to the blessed nation of Israel? There, there's nothing but ruins left. There, or there's devastation here. Nothing is growing. It's all ashes. And there's nothing left. What happened here? There has to be a witness that says that before Israel, before God will bring Israel back. Verse 25, uh, then men shall say, uh, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not and whom they had not given unto them. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. 
And the Lord rooted them out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. Remember, this is Moses speaking. He's supposed to excite them. Hey, let's go to the promised land. But he's already saying, hey, you guys don't listen up. You're going to get demolished and you're going to get kicked out of this land. Uh, And so Israel hadn't even entered the promised land yet. They haven't even become a nation yet. And the word of God that is declared by Moses tells the people of Israel, whenever you forsake the scriptures and chase after your own desires and your own imaginations, and the curses come into your life and bring desolation and destruction and drive you out before you can be brought back to your homeland, back to Jerusalem. There needs to be a witness against your actions. There needs to be the curses and the desolation be spoken of of your actions. Moses said a stranger will declare it and many nations will come by and witness and say, what happened here? We don't have any of those words. We don't have any of their their accounts. But we know from history that Israel did return, so there had to be a witness somewhere. Musicians, if you would come. We do have one account, one witness that seen the devastation with his own eyes. And he declares it in a prayer that he prays to God. Daniel 9. Verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books. What books is he talking about? He's talking about the scripture, the scrolls, the, the, the words of the prophets. I understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I, I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and the mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and we have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Uh, Daniel was dragged away from Jerusalem. He saw this firsthand, and he became a prisoner in Babylon. And so he saw the destruction and the the temple being burned to the ground. Neither have we, verse 6, neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, unto all of Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faith to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. We want to follow our own hearts the imagination of our own hearts, that's only going to lead to confusion in our life. Uh, verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him, neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, uh, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel has transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, thy servant, which we, we read, 
uh, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words. It was spoken thousands of years before this, and hey, it's coming to pass. He has confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us great evil. The very people of God, God brought evil upon them. For under the whole heaven, heaven hath not been done as been done upon Jerusalem. He, he's saying, man, of all the cities of the world, there hadn't anything been like the destruction of Jerusalem, the very city of God. Um. And now, O Lord, verse 15, our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and hath gotten thee renowned as, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, our God, O oh our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O oh my God, incline thine ear. And here, open thine eyes, behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by my name. So there, there is the witness that had to happen, to had to describe the desolation that, that happened in the very city, uh, that had to happen before Israel can be brought back, the, a witness against their very actions. Israel is one step closer to returning from captivity because the word of God came to pass as a witness came forth. You stand with me tonight. Why is all this about some nation's history, 2,500 years ago, some old stories in some old ancient book, ancient scrolls. Why are we talking about this in 2020, and how does this apply to America today? Because talking about the nation of Israel, which we are not. What I'm doing is I'm laying the groundwork and the foundation in order to increase our faith in a troubled world. We don't need another stimulus package to fix our problems. We, the nation needs it, but it ain't going to do much. We don't need another politician or president giving a great speech, trying to inspire us and encourage us. No, what the people of God need today is a faith stimulus package. We need our faith to be strengthened and increased by the Word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so if the Word of God was spoken 2,500 years ago and things happened exactly as, they, uh, as the Word of God said they would because His Word does not return void or unfinished, that means... That the 2,000-year-old scriptures that apply to my life today, they too will happen 
Because it was declared and it will be delivered at some point. And, and that is what we put our faith and our trust in is in the word of God. That's what we put our hope in is in the word of God. It's in his word because the word of God is forever settled in heaven because it is already declared. If you believe that with me, as we begin to sing this song and close out the service. Why don't we just begin to close our eyes and thank Him for His Word because we can search it. We can find our hope and our trust and our faith. We can put our faith in something that does not shake as this world shakes because it's forever settled in heaven. We have the answers in the Word of God. We have our roadmap. It's in the Word of God. We have our salvation. It's in the Word of God. It's already been declared. It's going to happen. I give myself it will not away. fail. It will not return void. We will be victorious. We will overcome I the enemy. Give myself away. We will see revival. Why? Because so the word of God declares it. Can you Do you believe that with me? Let's worship I the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the scriptures God, that can give us hope. I give myself away. We give ourselves away. to you. It's not so about us. It's not about our will or our me. desire. I give myself God. away. What is it that you wanted me? Where do you want me to go? I give myself we, we you, away. So Help you can use give us me. Faith today, here Lord. I am. No matter what happens. And here I stand. I give 
Thank you, Jesus, for your word, something that we can put our faith and our trust in. It will come to pass. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. Help us, Lord, to follow after you, order our steps every single day, God, and help us, Lord, to align ourselves with your word. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. I'm thankful that we have something that we can look into that tells us of what things are going to happen, the future that is coming, amen, and we know that if it's happened in the past, it's going to happen in the future, amen, and we know how it ends for the people of God, amen, in heaven, how many are excited about that, man, we know it's going to happen because the things have already happened in the past, so that's why we know great things are in store, amen, God bless you, you're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.